Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. And embracing life is just what today's show is all about. Our guest, Tony Walker, is a retirement expert, financial advisor, and best-selling author. He believes that rather than saving our money to give to our children after we pass away, we should help them out now while we're around to enjoy the results. And also, sharing the wealth is a great way to create memories that our children and grandchildren will treasure for years long after we're gone. So to these ends, Tony has written a lively, fun Uh, Yes, a book on finance is fun, (laughs) and down-to-earth book that shares his philosophy around money, retirement, and the real ways to enjoy life. It's called Live Well, Die Broke, and Tony's here to tell us all about it. So welcome, Tony. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Well, I want to start out by saying the title is the best ever, Live Well, Die Broke, <laughs> kind of says it all. Uh, but as I said, not only do you deliver really solid advice, but reading, it's personal stories, it's fun, it's engaging, so congratulations on the book. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's, uh, This is my uh, fourth published book. I've written several other books that were unpublished. I, I do enjoy writing, but... I remind people I am a full-time retirement planning specialist. I just uh, uh, enjoyed and uh, uh, finished my 36th year, and I look forward to many more years of working with people. So part of this book, too, Eileen, is really just uh, my wisdom that I've gained from meeting with so many people who have been so willing to share their life with me and helping them with their retirement. And uh, it's just something I've noticed over the years that as people get older, uh, unfortunately, I think some of them are waiting much too long to enjoy their money, and that's what kind of made me write this book. And then I also reflected a lot of my granddad, who, after working with the same company uh, for 43 years in 1978, retired, and how different retirement planning is now versus it was back then. But in some ways, I kind of hearken back to his days and reflect on how he retired, and uh, we're trying to kind of emulate that a little bit. I think it was a lot more worry-free the way he retired than the way maybe us baby boomers are are looking at it right now. Well, one of the things about your grandfather, he, uh, he like you, must have had a way with words because he got that regular retirement check he called mailbox money. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, when I my parents divorced at a young age, Eileen, in 1970. I grew up in I've been a resident of Kentucky all my life, but he had moved to a small town just outside Lexington, Kentucky. It was called Troy, Kentucky. But my uncle Eddie, who lived there, referred to it as the land of do as you please. And uh, I had more <laughs> fun spending. Yeah, it was just a fun place. You know, back in the 70s, I loved going down there. It was a very simple place. You know, my granddad worked and drove back and forth and they stayed home they didn't go on trips uh, he and his wife hazel and uh just just kind of learned a lot looking back from the standpoint of i remember when he retired i was only 18 so i really didn't even understand the notion of when he came home and basically said i'm retiring and after that he would you know go out monthly to his mailbox get his social security check his pension check from bell south and uh when he died eventually basically other than a small house in troy that was left he died broke all of that stopped and I look back at that, but he never worried about money. He never had to plan for money. Uh, he didn't spend more than what came through the front door. And, uh, you know, his his daughter, my mom, and his uh, son, Uncle Eddie, were fine with that. And 
you know, I'm afraid, you know, we've put so much emphasis on money, and now we have to rely on these 401ks that nobody really understands. And many people are putting probably too much money at risk, and they don't have a game plan to use and enjoy the money. And that's where we're trying to change the paradigm a little bit and, and have been very successful with our clients in helping them, you know, as I say, use and enjoy this money while you still can. I think that's such a wonderful philosophy. The thing you're, you're talking about, you know, again, you harken back to your grandfather and, and some of these lessons maybe that the boomers grew up with, but, you know, that stability. You were st- stable in your job. When you retired, you were going to get, a ch- you know, mailbox money. So life was a lot more stable. It was a lot more prescribed. I mean, we have freedom, et cetera. But uh, the other thing you bring out in your book that I thought was really, I never thought about it, but you were saying that baby boomers are actually the first generation that have kind of expected perhaps to receive some sort of an inheritance. I never thought about that, but our parents and our grandparents didn't necessarily do it. So money has been, it's a bigger question for us. No, you're right. It's uh yeah, we think about, so my mom, let's go back to that. So when my granddad passed away finally, he had that little house in Troy, and that was the only asset they had. You know, again, the pension died with granddad, the Social Security died with granddad and Hazel. They didn't have a lot of savings because they didn't really need any money. You know, that they didn't have a 401K buried with taxes within it. I call that the, the tax tumor. Uh, a lot of people right now are even looking at <laughs> They're looking at their 401k statements and all that. I have to remind people, folks, that money, not all that money is yours. The government's going to be first in line when you go to drag that money out. Uh, the inheritances, like you said, uh, many people are starting to receive large inheritance that either, one, they don't know what to do with, or, number two, some of those have taxes laden within them. So, yeah, the baby boomers, us, as we retire, it's a whole different world. And as you said, quite frankly, unfortunately, it's not quite as secure and predictable as the retirement world that my granddad enjoyed. Well, and again, that old song, you know, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Again, we've, we've got a lot to lose, <laughs> but we do have freedom. And I thought one of, the, one of the messages I took from your book is you write a lot about defining what our own mission is, and we need to determine what gives us joy because money, if we look at it as a means to fulfill our lives and those we love, you can switch that thinking, and it's it's not something you have to hoard. That's right. And unfortunately, and most people, I, I, I tend to work with what I call the saver personality, kind of like my granddad. So admittedly, um, quite frankly, I don't think most people really understand money in general, if they're honest with themselves. You know, if we hooked up random 100 people to lie detector tests and started asking them sophisticated questions about investments and money, probably most of them would, would fail the test. So once we realize that most people don't really understand money, that they've relied too much on the financial world to control the narrative, what happens is the financial world, it's like letting the fox in the hen house. They don't want you to use this money because it negatively impacts them. Uh, you know, when you think about it right now, the financial world has gone to a fee methodology of how they make money. So let's say you have $200,000 with them and they're charging 1% in fees a year. Well, that's $2,000 a year for them whether they do anything or not. So granted, they're not going to tell you to start using and enjoy this money because you hate to say this, it will affect their fees. So again, granddad didn't have to make these decisions. So I'm one of those that says, no, wait a minute. Uh, You're not going to live forever. Health is going to get the best of you. There's going to be a point in time where you may not even feel like spending this money. That's another narrative that I really have realized is incorrect, Uh, Eileen, is most people as they get older, uh, uh, barring a health catastrophe or something, but most of my clients as they age, 
begin to spend less and less money. So what they're doing is they're hoarding money for the wrong time of their life. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. But again, I think that's because they didn't know what to do with the money. They don't understand it. They're afraid to spend it. Uh, they're worried about running out of money. And then the you know, the financial world puts the fear of you-know-what in them, and just everybody gets complacent, and then eventually they die. And, yeah, maybe they have a boatload of money, but so what? You know, the Bible talks about then you leave it to somebody that you don't even know how they're going to handle it. So it really becomes a, a losing strategy in terms of using and enjoying your money while you still can. Well, you just referred to the Bible and a few things. So tell us about the guilt trip gospel. <laughs> Well, and I think, uh, yeah, you know what I've found over the years, Eileen, I'm not saying I'm the sharpest tool in the shed, but I think the thing that makes me a little, I get a little aggravated, and it happens in the financial world. I think sometimes it happens from the pulpit. I think what everybody needs to do is chill out a little bit and quit telling everybody what to do with their money. And I think what happens is we make this money, even if you make a lot of money, you know, I've, I've been poor and I've I've had money. I'm kind of like the great uh, theologian Charles Spurgeon who once said, you know, everybody worries about money. Those who have it worry with it. Those who have none worry without it. And so I've been in both of those spots. And granted, I'd rather have money than not have it. But I think I've grown weary of everybody telling everybody what to do with their money. Uh, First of all, it's nobody's business. Second of all, we all have different wants and needs and goals and family circumstances. And so what I've told people is, hey, look, it's okay to get advice from others and read up on things and buy books like my book or whatever you want to do. But in the end, you have to be at peace with what you want to do with your money and don't let people put you on what I call the guilt trip gospel. It's uh, it's not healthy at all to do that. Well, I I mean, again, uh, this solid advice delivered with such a great way with words. I mean, you obviously have the gift of uh, of being able to express those thoughts in ways we, we could really enjoy hearing them. So uh, another thing that you brought out in the book that I want to make sure we know is that should we decide to share our money with our children, which I think is so important if you can, because uh, they don't necessarily need it, you know, when you pass away and they're in their 50s or 60s, but they need it now when the grandchildren are young and the kids need to, you know, when they can go back to Boy Scouts or Brownies or something, they need the uniforms so they can go to camp or things like that. So I think that I, I really got behind that. I thought that was great. And you say, though, if you do share money with your children, it is not our business to tell them what to do with it either. Yeah, that's right, because I think people worry about that. They worry, well, what's going to happen when I leave money to my kids? Or what if my son divorces the, you know, my daughter-in-law? And, and I say, well, those problems could exist regardless whether you give it to them now or if you croak and leave them a big bunch of money. What I'd rather do is give it to them now and kind of watch how they handle the money. And, again, I've been fortunate uh-huh. enough that I've got a little bit of money. So, for instance, um, I'm helping uh, my daughter and son-in-law um, with a house. Now, we're financing the house, and we're, you know, we're making a decent deal, and we've given them some money, and through the gift tax laws, it's so, it's so important to understand, folks, that are listening, the, the tax laws, which are set to expire in 2026, and my prediction is will go through the roof, through the gift tax laws, it's so favorable now to take a lot of the tax hits now for us baby boomers before they go up, and you can give this money away tax-free to your kids, so it makes no sense to eventually die. We don't know what the tax rates are going to be in the future. The tax tumor passes on to the kids. You know, my wife is an oncology nurse, and I said, Susan, I know it's bad that people die of cancer, but at least when they die, the tumor dies with them. 
with the way the 401ks are set up, when these people die, the tax tumor and all these taxes just gets passed off to the kids. So none of that makes sense. So I would rather watch them use and enjoy it. I think it's more favorable tax-wise. And then, like right now, I get to go visit them at their house that we've helped them with and enjoy Aww. our grandchildren that get to enjoy the fruits of our labor. It's just a wonderful thing and a wonderful blessing. Well, and that, and then, too, <clears throat> when things change and we can go on vacations, how nice to be able to finance, say, like a family vacation that, you know, the children and grandchildren are really going to enjoy and talk about, you know, long after we're gone. So these are all wonderful ways to use money. And at the very end, you have three main buckets as part of the financial game plan. Of course, we only have a minute or two left, but just if you don't mind giving us a brief overview of the three main buckets we need to consider. Yes, you should always keep money, some money liquid. Liquid means that you could get your hands on it at any time in a moment's notice without a lot of penalty. And then you need a bucket with what I call mailbox money, and we help people with all that all the time. So that bucket is there to emulate that guaranteed lifetime income that you can never outlive. And then finally, you can, if you want to create one, a legacy bucket, and I've done that as well. So I have limited partnerships set up that my kids will inherit some of this money with favorable taxes. And then I'm a big believer in life insurance because it's the only guaranteed asset that you can live tax-free to your kids because I do have concerns that that next generation, based on our economy and a lot of concerns I have 20, 30 years from now, may not enjoy the inheritance we're getting now. So I want to make sure I leave them something on a tax-free basis after I'm dead and gone. Wow. Well, Tony, thank you for this. I wanted to let everybody know, in addition to this book, you have a fabulous website. I've checked it out. It's great. So where can our listeners go to find out more about you, the services you provide, uh, and perhaps even grab their own copy of Live Well, Die Broke? <laughs> Absolutely. It's My name, of course, is Tony Walker. So the website is TonyWalkerFinancial.com. And we have a weekly TV show called The Worry-Free Retirement. We're on in about seven stations in Kentucky on major networks, so I do a new TV show. And they can check that out at our YouTube channel at TonyWalkerFinancial.com if they'd like to watch past episodes of the TV show The Worry-Free Retirement. Well, I'm going to be doing that as soon as we get off. That sounds fantastic. (laughs) Well, Well, Tony, this has been such a delight. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave with our audience? No, I say just live well, die broke, and as my mother who does not have a lot of money but buys really expensive bacon, I'll summarize this with one of our chapter headings, Life is Too Short to Eat Cheap Bacon. Don't ever forget that. Well, that on that inspirational note, we'll, we'll have to leave it. But, boy, this has been a wonderful experience for me, and thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on how we can use money to enjoy life, uh, really enjoy life, and also make wonderful memories for our children and grandchildren. You're so welcome, Eileen. Well, and please, I urge everyone out there, I am going to check out Tony's uh, YouTube channel, but I'm sure we can find links on his website. Again, that's TonyWalkerFinancial.com. And check out his various other books. You're going to find a lot of information, financial advice, and again, delivered with that wonderful sense of humor that I appreciate very much. So go out there and show the world just how feisty and financially fit a woman over 50 can be. This is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, saying I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.